Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Why don't LDS churches have crosses on them? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Mormon Apostle Jeffrey R. Holland gave a talk in General Conference. He gave this message on October 2nd, 2022. It was a Sunday morning session, and it was titled, Lifted Up Upon the Cross. It was subtitled, To Be a Follower of Jesus Christ, One Must Sometimes Carry a Burden and Go Where Sacrifice is Required and Suffering is Inevitable. Now, Eric, so far, I don't think we would have any disagreement with either that title or the subtitle, but it's always in the details that we start finding out some important information that I think we as evangelical Christians need to know about our LDS friends and what they are supposed to believe regarding certain things. And of course, the cross is very important. It's been a symbol of Christianity for centuries. And certainly when you see a cross, most people will recognize that as the symbol of Christianity. So the question I asked at the beginning of this show, I think, becomes very important, especially when we look at how Jeffrey Holland opens his talk. Jeffrey Holland um, has been a part of the uh, general authorities for quite some time, and I think he might be the man who would be considered the systematic theologian, if you will, of the LDS Church. I mean, years ago, Joseph Fielding Smith, of course, was that kind of a person, Bruce R. McConkie. But I'm going to say, out of all the talks that are done at conference, whenever Holland comes up, he usually comes up with something having to do with systematic theology. And here he goes, talking about the atonement and the cross. So this is how he starts. Years ago, following a graduate school discussion on American religious history, a fellow student asked me, why have the Latter-day Saints not adopted the cross that other Christians use as a symbol of their faith? Now, what I want to do at this point is take us back several years, because the way he opens up this article, or this conference message, I should say, is very similar to something that 15th President Gordon B. Hinckley said way back in 2005. And the way he opens his message, he says this. Now, this can be found in the Ensign Magazine. This is April 2005. It was titled, The Symbol of Our Faith. And Gordon B. Hinckley says this. Following the renovation of the Mesa, Arizona Temple some years ago, Clergy of other religions were invited to tour it on the first day of the open house period. Now, that's a tradition that they keep going to this day. They do have special days where journalists can go through and other days that 
members of the clergy can go through as well. And also the members bill, because, well, we have to understand only about one out of four Latter-day Saints even have a temple recommend to go in after it's been closed. So I have found, as I've done a lot of outreaches at these temple open houses, that many of the people coming are Latter-day Saints who do not have their temple recommends. Well, we can pinpoint exactly when this happened. When he says following the renovation of the Mesa, Arizona temple some years ago, well, the Mesa temple was only renovated one time. It was originally dedicated in 1927, but it was renovated during the 1970s. And then Spencer W. Kimball, the 12th president of the church at that time, rededicated the Mesa Temple on April 16th, 1975. So since we can pinpoint the date when this renovation took place, we kind of get an understanding of, well, where was Gordon B. Hinckley in the scheme of things? Well, he certainly wasn't the president of the church at that time, because obviously Spencer W. Kimball was president. But he was a member of the Council of the Twelve. He would later go on to be a part of the First Presidency when the First and Second Counselors were having health issues, and so they brought Gordon B. Hinckley on there as the third member to kind of keep things running, and then he eventually becomes the president of the church. But when when he talks about this open house period, he says, hundreds responded. In speaking to them, I said we would be pleased to answer any queries they might have. Among these was one from a Protestant minister. What would you be willing to give up to be able to be in that group where you were the minister and you had an apostle who was leading the tour? I would look at that as a great opportunity. Now, I don't know who this Protestant minister is that Hinckley describes, I don't know of what denomination he may have been from. He could have been, let's say, from a more conservative evangelical church. I don't know. He could have been from a very liberal mainline church. We have no idea. Those kind of details are not given. However, what this minister asked him, I think, is very important because it sounds very similar to what Jeffrey R. Holland says in the opening lines of his conference message, Lifted Up Upon the Cross. This minister said, I've been all through this building, this temple, which carries on its face the name of Jesus Christ. But nowhere have I seen any representation of the cross, the symbol of Christianity. I have noted your buildings elsewhere and likewise find an absence of the cross. Why is this when you say you believe in Jesus Christ? And that certainly is something that's noticeable because many chapels that are owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are designed to where you would think it wouldn't be difficult to put a cross, but there's nothing there. If you were to look at their temples, no crosses on their temples either. They do have a statue of Moroni many times, but even Moroni seems to be going by the wayside with a lot of the more modern temples that are being built right now or in the planning stages. Many of them do not have a Moroni plan for their steeples. So that's, I think, a fair question. Now, we should say at this time that just because a church may not have a very visible cross on it does not necessarily mean that that is not a church that is preaching the gospel. Many times Christian churches are in storefronts and you don't have the ability to put crosses on the outside of the building or anything like that, though you would probably find crosses inside the building if you were to go inside. And as I said earlier, the cross has been a symbol of Christianity for, for many centuries. So the absence of a cross on an LDS building 
does become suspicious, especially when you have Latter-day Saints trying to tell us that they represent not only Christianity, but if they're totally honest with you, they would have to say that they represent true Christianity. So Hinckley goes on to respond to this Protestant minister. I do not wish to give offense to any of my Christian colleagues who use the cross on the steeples of their cathedrals and at the altars of their chapels, who wear it on their vestments and imprint it on their books and other literature. But for us, the cross is a symbol of the dying Christ, while our message is a declaration of the living Christ. Now, here's where I have a problem with Hinckley's answer, because he's going to give us the impression that we don't use the cross because, as he says, it is a symbol of the dying Christ. Now, if I was being told this by Gordon B. Hinckley, I would probably respond with something like, oh, really? So then you don't practice communion in your church or the Eucharist, as it's known by some denominations? But they do. They have the sacrament, and they have it every single week. What is that sacrament supposed to mean to Latter-day Saints? Well, that's not difficult to find out. In fact, I'll give you a quote from a manual called the Doctrines of the Gospel Student Manual, Religion 430 and 431. And on page 53, it says this as the heading of chapter 20, the sacrament, a memorial ordinance. Now, when you hear the word memorial in this context, Eric, it tends to tell us that someone has died. Right. So if Gordon B. Hinckley is really telling us the truth and saying, well, the cross is the symbol of the dying Christ and our message is the declaration of a living Christ, then why are you having a memorial meal, as you could say, in the sacrament every week? You shouldn't be doing that if we're not going to be talking about or remembering a dying Christ, because every week you are talking about a dying Christ. This is why I find Gordon B. Hinckley's answer to be less than adequate. It goes on to say in this chapter 20 of this manual, under the heading Doctrinal Outline, A, Jesus Christ instituted the sacrament as a memorial ordinance, a memorial ordinance. And then the manual has two bullet points, numbered one and two. Jesus taught his disciples the nature and purpose of the ordinance of the sacrament. See Matthew 26, 26 through 29. And also point number two, we partake of the sacrament in remembrance of Christ's atoning sacrifice. Well, how did that sacrifice come about? Obviously, it came about because of the death of of Christ. So this manual is not hiding the fact that the sacrament that Latter-day Saints participate in on a weekly basis has something to do with a dying Christ. And yet Hinckley tries to tell this pastor, well, we don't want to focus on a dying Christ. That's why we don't have crosses. I don't think that answer was was good at all. I, I think he really skirted the issue. But then the pastor goes on to ask this question. If you do not use the cross, what is the symbol of your religion? And then Hinckley replied that the lives of our people must become the most meaningful expression of our faith, and in fact, therefore, the symbol of our worship. I hope he did not feel that I was smug or self-righteous in my response. Now, I wouldn't have felt that he was being smug or self-righteous in his response, but I would say he was not answering the question. 
The question that was asked by this Protestant minister was, if you do not use the cross, what is the symbol of your religion? Now, I guess that would be a somewhat fair answer on the part of Hinckley if it was not for the fact that the LDS Church uses a lot of symbolism in its faith. I mentioned the statues of Moroni that are found on so many of their temples. They're very unique to the temples. You don't find statues of Moroni on their chapels, but only on temples. And they have all sorts of decorations and symbolism on these buildings. I mean, when we go downtown to the Salt Lake Temple, you would see all these Masonic symbolism on there, the the grip, the handshakes and such. So they do use symbolism. Go to Nauvoo, for instance. The Nauvoo Temple in Nauvoo, Illinois, has inverted pentagrams, not only on the outside of the temple, but even on the inside of the temple. Recall when we went there in 2002, there were curtains that had embroidered in them inverted pentagrams. And pentagrams have a meaning. You could say, I don't really care what Satanists are doing, but that really has a very powerful meaning in that faith. And maybe it didn't have quite that strong meaning when the first temple in Nauvoo was being built, but it most certainly has that meaning now. Tomorrow we're going to continue looking at this conference message by Jeffrey R. Holland titled, Lifted Up Upon the Cross. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. Pastor, could your congregation benefit from a presentation that explains the differences between Mormonism and New Testament Christianity? MRM's Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson would be honored to come to your church. Whether it's a single crash course or a weekend symposium, hundreds of churches have benefited from their fully documented and easy-to-understand PowerPoint presentations. If you'd like to schedule MRM at your church, simply write us at contact at mrm.org. Again, that's contact at mrm.org.